Welcome into the Solar Insights Podcast. My name is Eric Starr. We got Wes Goldberg here to talk heat, to talk suns and NBA stuff. How are you doing, Wes? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on the pod. I'm glad you were you were telling on Twitter we got to do some Suns talk or some uh, NBA talk, and I was like, sounds good. I haven't had West on in a while. I'd love to do that. So I'm glad to have you on. Uh, let's talk about let's talk the Heat first, um, just because that's what you do. Um, how is the team? What's the team like this year? Uh, hard to watch. Hard mostly. to watch. Um, they they kind of went into this year hoping to have a fast start, build on some of the continuity, because it's basically the same team as it was last year, yeah. right? And so they figured, okay, well, with the same team, they should have the chemistry issues all ironed out, and, and they should just kind of hit the ground running, and that just wasn't the case, and you could blame injuries for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's a little bit too much of an excuse. I think that people are sort of leaning on the injury excuse a little bit too much when we talk about this team, because the fact is this team is just full of injury-prone players, at some point, that become that that it's no longer an excuse. It's just sort of what the team is. It's sort of part of the scouting report. Like mm-hmm. this team is an injury prone team. They always have guys hurt. That's just what it is. Yeah. And some, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so I think that that's hurt them this year. And and so it's it's been inconsistent. You know, the lineups and the rotations game to game. And so overall, it's just been kind of a frustrating watch this season. Yeah, you can, I mean, some for even, especially it's, it's sure about players. How often does, does a player become, go from sometimes injury prone to that's what you expect in part of their profile when you talk about them? Like, let's think of a player. Well, sometimes it's opposite. Like, Sean Livingston was an injury prone player and now he's not. But it took right. how many years to get away from that? Um, Chris Stapps wasn't, and then now it's it's into his Steph Curry. Steph is Curry, like the, per- the opposite, is yeah. a perfect example of that. Well, yeah. he's he's still injury prone a little bit now, but sure. I mean it's 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 more nagging injuries. Just like like Booker, my goodness, he's not had a bad injury, but they are nagging injuries that are annoying. Um, to to do that same thing. So I guess the Heat are like that, where just a lot of people are very uh, injured a lot. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, Dion hasn't played basically since he played 30 games at the beginning of last year. hasn't played since then. So he's only played 30 games since they signed him to that four-year contract extension. Ugh, and That's Dion not a great Readers. look. But it's uh, Dion Waiters too, man. He is exactly. Whew, he is something else, man. He is. He's the J.R. Smith. He's the. Oh man, there's all every team needs to have a guy like him, don't they? Well, the entertainment factor with Dion is great, right? Yeah. Like you know, when he's on the floor, you're at least gonna. You're at least gonna want to watch to see what happens because it could either be a it could be a car crash or it could just be something amazing like when he you know hit that game winner over the Warriors two yeah. years ago, which mm-hmm. is still like in Heat lore, one of the greatest shots <laughs> in team history. Um, even we'll still talk whew, about that. Even with all the stuff like just recently, you had like a dynasty. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, that it was. It's the single greatest shot since Ray Allen's shot. Oh yeah. Well, that Ray yeah. Allen shot may be the best shot in NBA history. <laughs> It is. It's absolutely the, the best <laughs> shot. I mean, I remember when uh, Kyrie Irving hit the shot um, that basically won the finals for the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're like, oh my gosh, that's one of the greatest shots in NBA Finals history. Is this the greatest shot in NBA Finals history? Which is how ESPN basically ran with it. Um, and I get it. Like, you've got to, you have a talk show, and that's the way to kind of you, you know have to, yeah. Yeah. platform the conversation. But it's not even close. That that Ray Allen shot was a much more important shot. I mean, that was win or lose of the NBA Finals. It was they had like if he misses the shot, they lose. They if brought out the trophy, the shot, and it was crazy. Like that yeah. was one of the craziest Finals games I've ever seen. 
Kyrie's shot is great, but it's like not even close to that Ray Allen shot. I mean, yeah. you can go back and watch that Ray Allen shot, and it doesn't become more believable. Like yeah. you know what's going to happen, and you're like, no, it's like there's no way. The LeBron misses that shot um, from the opposite side of, yeah. the, of of the court, basically. Chris Bosh gets a rebound, kicks it out to Ray Allen. Ray Allen is literally backing up as he catches it and shoots it. Like that is insane. The fact that he didn't go out of bounds is crazy. I've tried it on basketball courts. It's impossible. Like, and I'm not saying like I'm a good shooter. I'm not a good shooter on the bat. Like, three point shooting is not my game when I'm playing pickup. Yeah. But like, it's just like just to get your feet under you and launch like, and just get whatever kind of shooting form you have to get into that form while backing up in that kind of thing. And that's not even with the pressure of the moment, right? Yeah. Like, it's just so difficult physically to do what Ray Allen did. Not let alone what he did mentally. Let alone like the shot actually going in. Like, it's insane. It's it's all insane. So yeah, the the Heat are in an interesting position right now. Where I mean, the hey, at least you're not in the West, right? <laughs> Look, if we were in the West, I actually think it would be beneficial this year because I'm kind of leading the tank train right now. Oh, okay. Um, I really do like the Heat. Just don't have a way to go get a superstar player, and when they basically pulled Josh Richardson out of Jimmy Butler trade talks. They kind of decided, all right, this is our group. Yeah. This is the young core that we're going to build around, for better or worse, with Justice, yeah. um, Winslow, Josh Richardson, Bam Adebayo. And so when they made that decision, it they, to me, also made the decision to, okay, well, let's just try to get a really good pick in this draft. Yeah, And that's not necessarily been the case. Like, they haven't been, they haven't been full-on tanking, and this is not a team that is – Going to full on tank. Yeah, like if they now, do, now, now, now it's going to be more yeah. subtle variety. Yeah, um, but I think that's what they need to do. And if they were in the West, they would just lose more games than they do in the East. I mean, yeah, the Sun. I mean, and we're dead to the actual Sun stuff, but it's like I think there was one graphic I saw where they just took the Suns off completely just to show how close the West was. I was like, okay, the Suns still exist, people. My goodness, it's not like they don't exist anymore just because they don't happen to be as good. And also, it's like uh, Booker was out for like fifteen games. Like, what are you <laughs> joking? Anyway. Um, so I had three questions about the Heat that I was interesting. So I watched the Suns Heat game. It was like a week ago or something, mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Um, when did Justin's win? What Justice Winslow get a shot? When that happened? Great question. Um, <laughs> Justice Winslow over the last couple of weeks has taken this turn that it just came out of nowhere. I don't know if this was some sort of long con. I don't know <laughs> what it was, but he is playing with such a, a, a sort of swagger for lack of a better term, that we just, look, we knew that Justice Winslow had kind of an edge. We knew that when he was at Duke. Like, when he gets emotional, he kind of lets it, he lets his teammates know, like, he'll let it out. But yeah. for the most part, he's kind of just consistent. He's kind of just, like, very, like, he's like an NFL head coach a lot of times. I kind of picture him, like, you know, just, like, doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, very yeah. just, like, Bella checking in in that way. But then every once in a while, like, he'll just dunk on a dude catch a body and just let loose. Like, and it's just like, that's the coolest part of watching a heat game. If, and when that happens, um, because it's just entertaining and every, and he's so talented and he just didn't have the right role. I don't like the heat have experimented with him at the stretch four position a lot. And yeah. the small ball four, I should say is a more accurate term. Was he like six, eight? He's six, six. Oh my and, gosh. It's like PJ Tucker. Well, PJ Tucker. It's like PJ Tucker, and it's like Draymond Green, but it doesn't have the wingspan of those guys, so it doesn't That's quite work. Though, like, I think PJ Tucker is not a big wingspan. <laughs> I so I, I stood next to Tucker when he was in, in in Phoenix, 
and I'm six foot seven, so he's like actually six foot two. <laughs> like Jay Tucker is so small, but I was, his shoulder was bigger than my head. I was like, what the heck, man? Yeah, he's got a long wingspan, right? Like seven feet or something. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I know Draymond's like a seven foot one wingspan. Justice Winslow's at six ten. So he's he's, he's 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 long, but he's not like super long. Okay. Yeah, and so it's not long enough where you can, like the big compare like Pat Riley compared him to Draymond Green coming out. That's yeah. the big one. He just doesn't have the wingspan to be a rim protector like Draymond, and he's such a good perimeter defender that when you put him at that four position and get him guarding against bigger guys, it kind of takes away what he does best. And I think Spo has figured that Spolstra has figured that out this year where. Okay, let me get him out on the perimeter. And and look, I talked with Justice Winslow two years ago, and he said, I want to play point guard. Like, I like playing hmm, with the ball wow. in my hands. He's so big and for that, man. And it's, I just, if if he's better at it and you took him in the top ten, at some point you just got to say, all right, you know what, I don't care how much I'm paying Dion or Goran Dragic or any of these other guys. Let's do what, let, let's help him do what he does best. And I yeah. think the Heat have kind of embraced that this year. And he's thriving. Like he talks about uh, the when the ball is in his hands, he just gets more energized, really? and I think, that, and he gets more confident as the game goes on. I think that's why you're seeing his jumper. To go back to your original question, starting to fall is because he's just the ball energizes him. Like he just gets going. It's got like Space Jam powers for him. And he just <laughs> when he has the ball in his hands, he feels more confident. He plays more confident, and he shoots more confidently. And as you know, shooting is like eighty percent mental. Like it's it if. At, at the very least, like it's all about confidence, and so when he is confident, the shot goes in, and you see what you're seeing lately. I don't think it's a coincidence. Yeah, the Suns definitely had trouble with that because they're like they let him shoot, and then he just kept making them. You're like, okay, sure. Um, so I on my um, podcast, like I mentioned before we started here, that uh, was uh, with uh, Johnny Carver doing NBA awards. I had Josh Richardson as my uh, one of my uh, most approved player of the year awards people. I think he was the number one one uh, person I put on there. Um, how has he been playing this year? What is he as a player to you? I think, I think number one, he should be on your most improved player of the year ballot. I'd probably still have Pascal Siakam over him, um, but uh, only because I think. Not to say that Richardson hasn't improved. I think a lot of his improvement this year is statistically uh, is is just a statistic improvement, and that's because his usage is is uh, is up, and and the Heat are just relying on him more, especially with Dragic in and out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been great this year, and he's in a little bit of, as we're talking right now. He's in a little bit of a shooting slump. Yeah. Um, but that happens. I think at a you know I think best case scenario for him, he's the second best player on a really good team, like, like on a on a conference. On a conference finals type team, I think the second, best, second player? best player. Um, I think he could be that good. He could, he could be, be but he's not now. You said he's not now. Okay. No, no, he's not yet. He's not that now. Um, I think his three point shot has to get a little bit more consistent. Um, I think that's more of a matter of him playing next to a more ball dominant player, which the Heat just don't really have that right now. Like if you put Josh Richardson next to Kemba Walker. I think all of a sudden you start seeing like Kemba driving and kicking and finding yeah. Josh Richardson easier yeah. shots, just as an example. Yeah. Um, but defensively, he is a lockdown defender. He's one of the best uh, perimeter defenders in the NBA, and that's not hyperbole. I, I think I would put him up there with Robert Covington and Drew Holiday. Yeah. Like I think he's in that group, and I don't. I. I, I He's that good, and offensively, he's got a good shot. It needs to be more consistent, like I said. He could do some things with the ball. His handle needs to get a little bit tighter, but he can drive. He can attack closeouts. Um, he's got a nice 
mid-range pull-up game. Um, he get, he's got a few moves. He's got this like kind of lefty scoop shot off the backboard that he likes to go to when he's uh, going like when he's when he's trying to lay it up or yeah. dr- or drive to the rim. He needs to pick up fouls a little bit better. He needs to invite contact and really lean mm. into it a little bit more. But right now, um, so I, I think he's a little st- a little raw offensively still, but defensively he can provide something right away. Mm. And I think in a in a year, maybe two, three years, he could be that kind of caliber player again. Second banana on a conference fi- uh, conference finals type team. Mm-hmm. He just needs to play with a ball dominant player. That that needs to be one A on on whatever roster he'd be on. So um, back to the thing about um in terms of the most improved player of the year. I mean, basically that that award is the I now have I already was good, but I now have higher usage and therefore higher stats. And that's what the award is. I mean, that's what Oladipo and that's what a. Uh, um, Oh, well, Portland. Depot Depot made some like legitimate but, improvements to his body and stuff. Yeah, I'm in game, Portland. But, um, the guy who oh CJ McCollum, CJ McCollum, like to, I mean that's literally yeah. like what he did. Um, I think Richardson's got a good. I, I, look, I would love for Richardson to win Most Improved Player. I just that's cool. I, I I do think that you know his improvement and and these awards tend to be awarded like a year late anyway, even with like MVP or Coach of the Year sometimes. Yeah. And I think his I think Richardson's major improvement came in December of last season. Mm, yeah. Um. And so, uh, I, I don't think. I, look, if if Richardson won it, I wouldn't have any problem with it. But I do think a lot of his improvement just has become has come with more opportunity. But he's done a great job over the last year, basically. Seems like there's a lot of people for that award this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Siakam I mean, for Chris sure. But would have had it if he didn't get oh, hurt. He uh, absolutely would have. Siakam's there. De'Aaron Fox. I know that he's like a sophomore now. Yeah. And you expect a natural progression from a rookie to a second year, but he's he's taken that to another like this isn't natural possession like he's you watch him last year compared to this year it's two different players yeah. i mean this is not just a natural progression he has completely flipped the switch on the kind of game he has and i think De'Aaron fox should be getting a lot more love for most improved player too i don't think this will i don't think he's going to win it but uh i mean just to go to the suns thing a little bit tj warren has something there mm-hmm. uh, he's always a baller but the if you've seen his three-point shot it's like he needs three of them last night there yeah, is no reason he should be making these 44%. shots. He, and it's like super sustainable. He's fixed his shot completely. He couldn't last year. I mean, you saw him last year. He couldn't. He had the worst hitch. I'm a player development kind of guy for my basketball stuff that I, I have my business. And I couldn't believe that. It's I've never seen someone change it that much. <laughs> Other than Justice Winslow, maybe. <laughs> Winslow's shot looks good, right? Mm-hmm. It looks pretty good, yeah. Still a little bit of a hitch, a little bit to the side, but it's okay. good. Uh, Warren's is Warren still has a little bit of a hitch, but it's going in, and he's confident, like you said, mental. And so, do you think that Warren was already too good to make it to that? No, like I think this? Warren should definitely be in the conversation. I just think that where did he improve his game enough, right? Because he was already a twenty point per game type scorer anyway. When when he's Booker's kind of, out, yeah, I mean, Booker when Booker's in, he's not going to have the ball yeah. enough. But he, and, he, and so I think his statistically, like, there's not enough of a change. But it's it's like it's how he's getting the points, and he's mm-hmm. doing it in a more efficient manner. I think and I love TJ Warren. Sh- by the way, I loved him at NC State. Yeah. I'm like, a, I love TJ Warren coming out of college. He, the dude just gets buckets. He like, does. You, so that's funny. I'm watching the games, and I'm like, he has about once a game now. He has one where he stumbles, someone hits the ball in his hands. He still somehow has it and lays it up. You're like, uh, you didn't even have the ball when you shot it, and you still made it. And so I think his field goal, I mean, it went from, I think, 51 to 57% in terms of true shooting percentage or effective field goal, something like that. And he just, he's making the threes. He had 30 points last night and uh, with Booker out against the uh, 
Who are they playing? The Mavericks beat them again on national yeah. TV twice, two times. We've been on national TV. That's it for the whole year. Beat the Mavericks both times. Fantastic. There you go. Two for two. Two for two. two, two. For two. <laughs> what do you it. think about with TJ Warren as far as comparison, like Tobias Harris type? I don't know if I'm unique in that take or not. I like that Tobias Harris is like Warren because I think are they the same or age? TJ Warren could be like Tobias Harris. Like I would still say Tobias Harris is a better is a superior player to TJ Warren. Right now he's but better Warren defense. Warren can kind of be but... that combo forward scoring kind of guy. Yeah, I mean. TJ Warren on offense could do whatever you need him to. Like they never run plays for him, like ever. <laughs> and he he's just be he, a better facilitator, though. Like I'd like to could see be. him maybe get involved in some pick and roll stuff as as the ball handler. Like the, I think that would yeah. be his next step. The pro I agree, but the problem is that you want Booker doing that more than him, no matter what, and you want to get a point guard ever. That would be nice. That could do it more than Booker. So, do you want Goran Dragic? So that's where I was going to go to next. First, I want before we talk about the other trade things. Have you enjoyed? I was watching when the Suns Heat game. Have you enjoyed having Goran Dragic on your team? It's just he's just a pleasure to watch. <laughs> I love Goran Dragic. I mean, the dude—he's so low maintenance. Yes. where you just really appreciate it, especially when you're when you're watching a team. He's so low maintenance on a team that has Dion Waiters, Hassan Whiteside, <laughs> like guys who are the opposite of low maintenance. And it's just like, can everybody just be like Goran? Can we just just be more like Goran? Like. It's insane, and he and he's been Miami's best player over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. I think he's now their second best player behind Josh Richardson. Only, really, only so he passed what him. Richardson could do on the defensive end. Yeah. Um, I I am I'm a. It is a little frustrating because you can see this the decline in his game. Okay. His, his field goal percentage at the rim has dropped precipitously over the last couple of years. I mean, he's like um, thirty, right? And he's third, and yeah, and so. He has made up for it a little bit. He's starting to shoot threes off the dribble a little bit more. Um, I think the future for him is playing a little bit more off the ball than on the ball. Um, Kind of like how he did a little bit earlier in his career, or even with the Suns when they had Bledsoe there. Um, I think that's probably the next step, just to sort of prolong his career. And I'm really interested interested to see what he does this summer, because he's got that player option for like $19 million. He could take it. And take the nineteen million dollars because he's not going to make that on the open market probably. Mm-hmm. But probably not. The, the other thing he could do is decline the option in favor of maybe a more long term deal worth a little bit less, but getting that long term security. So I think what he does this summer, a lot of people are sort of just shooing, like just sort of writing it off, like okay, he's going to take his player option. I wouldn't be so sure because if he if he takes the option and then waits another year to enter the market, he's going to be another year older, another year's worth of wear and tear and decline. I think it might be worth it for him, and I actually do think this is what's going to happen. Maybe three years, thirty-six million or something in that range mm-hmm. that he resigns for long term, and I think that will probably be his last contract. The oh, last contract. So you think he retires at thirty-four or something? The dude's played a lot of basketball in his career, but he didn't. He I know, didn't, like he didn't have high minutes for the first several years. I mean, but he plays. He's played in Europe so much. Like yeah, I that's just true. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that's premature. Maybe it won't be the last contract, but it'll be like the last big contract. The last big one, yeah. So I, I think that, I mean, he plays like Steve Nash so much, so much. I mean, Steve Nash started the thing where you drive in and keep dribbling and go out to the short, to the elbow on the other side after dribbling through, and Drogic does it all the time. And he does the thing where he drives the baseline and then, then turns around and shoots it. He learned that yeah. right from Steve Nash, and it's just beautiful. Yeah, and I'm like... You could start seeing two other Heat players mimic that. Like Josh mm-hmm. Richardson has done that a few times. Rodney okay. Magruder cool. loves to do that now. Um, I think Justice Winslow can start to do it, but he just likes to finish in the paint. 
yeah, more big. than sort of come back around. But I think that would be for Winslow if he really wants to play point guard, learning that kind of move diversifying his portfolio a little bit would be the next step for him. You had mentioned uh, Drogic being low maintenance. I just wish his uh, his agent had not told him to ask out that one day. If that mm-hmm. one day doesn't happen, maybe like everything is way better. So in one sense, yes, I do want Drogic to come back to the Suns because he was always a really fan favorite of mine and everybody I know and the Suns in general. It's hard to get someone back for the third time <laughs> that isn't like <laughs> LeBron or something um, where they live there. Um so the problem is, do you think it would take, like, in some sort of trade now, because we've talked about trades with you guys a bunch of different times, but um, what do you think it would take? I thought going into the year that TJ Warren for Goran Dragic made a lot of sense, but I don't think Phoenix would do that now. Not anymore. <laughs> what we were just talking about. Yeah. Um, I think if you're looking for a landing spot for Trevor Ariza, I think that makes sense. Like Ariza and a pick almost for Goran Dragic, but it does sound like Phoenix would rather get something in return, like would rather get assets in return for Ariza than send Ariza and an asset to get a, a good player. It just sounds like they're kind of doing the opposite with Trevor Ariza. They're using him as an asset. Yeah, I mean, um, he is an, I mean, he's an asset. He's he's not playing as hard as he could maybe, but he's playing decently, and I I'm the highest on him than most of the people around here. Um, so just, I don't know. You know. I, I don't know what else it would take. Maybe like it depends. Are you a fan of Jackson? Ryan, What's that? Are you a fan of Josh Jackson? Uh, Josh Jackson would be tough only because they've already got Justice Winslow. They're just now developing him. I just don't think that they want another player who's an offensive zero um, and a good defender. I just don't know that that's the move for them. Um, I like Josh Jackson's game. I just don't think he's a fit for Miami. Yeah, he's good. He's interesting. Like I go to the Clippers game two days, three days ago, or whatever, and then I see the game last night, and he did well, and he made some threes. I was like, well, what's happening here? But he's a playmaker. He's less of a defensive. He's not as good defense as you thought he should be. Um, yeah. But he's a better playmaker and, and kind of a better shooter at the t- at the age that he should that he should have been. So you're like, ah, oh, whatever. But it's he's interesting because T.J. Warren. Total. I mean, I was so a Josh Jackson over T.J. Warren, but then T.J. Warren just flipped everything this year. And Bridges is just so much better at the things that you need Bridges to be good at. Right. He's got uh, long arms, man. I would if I if I'm the Heat, I'm probably asking for Ariza and Bender for Dragic. I'll do that, that for sure. I'm I'm so sad about Bender, man. Oh, I, I think so he good. needs a change of scenery. I just don't think it's worked out, obviously, in Phoenix. But I like his I like his I still like his potential as a stretch big. Um, I think him coming off the bench with Winslow would make a lot of sense hmm. um, because he could stretch the floor and Winslow plays well with those guys. And then Ariza could fill in a position at small forward for the Heat. Like, yeah. he would be useful for Miami this year. Um, I don't think that's enough for Miami to do it. Oh, really? Dragic still has more value than those two guys. But um, So maybe it would take some, some picks as sweetener or something. But what it would it would absolutely take Miami basically punting the season. Like, if they were deciding yeah. like we're rebuilding and we don't want Goran Dragic anymore, this is how we're going to get off of his salary, that's more what it would take. But, I mean, Ariza's a expiring contract, so... Exactly. So you just want to get off all the money, like all of it. Exactly. So okay. like Dragic, either he opts in or he takes the long-term money with Miami, right? Well, you want to get off of that money completely. So okay, you take Ariza and Bender back. Yeah. And then so you're getting off. Maybe you re-sign Bender for something very minor. Oh, yeah. Seriously um, small. But like Bender's really – I love his defense. He may be one of the best defenders on the Sun still because he, he does it. But he think, he overthinks too much, and he his confidence just is gone from three right now. It's just sad. He doesn't get enough yeah. minutes anyway. 
Because well, because they have like the they have a really good. I know we're getting back to the Suns kind of, but like man, they have a they, for the first time since I've ever been watching them, they have a solid um center um rotation for the first time ever. <laughs> Rishon Holmes is the man. Yeah, people when you, people who have Holmes on their team love Rashawn Holmes, and um, he's just gonna have like one of these like he kind of is like the new Brandon Wright almost of the NBA, where you yeah. just like this is a great backup center, everybody loves this guy, his numbers are great, like his like per thirty six numbers are always energy. Great. My goodness, he gets yeah. the rebounds, he cares, he plays he plays decent defense. He's had some blocks. I mean, you saw the last night he had the block. I mean, he did a couple blocks, and Eaton is... So let's talk about Eaton now. What do you think about Eaton so far? <laughs> a big sigh. <laughs> um, look, he's a walking double-double, 15 and 10, right? I think he's... To me, I, I appreciate that he's averaging, what, two, three assists a game, something like that. Yeah, they're mostly dribble handoffs, but yeah. But it's... Even, like, today's NBA, that's fine, right? Yeah. Like, he, he's getting used to getting the ball in his hand and not necessarily shooting it yeah. um, or having to roll with it. Like he's just involved in getting the offense and he's willing to do it. And I think he can become a better passer. I think that he's got that ability, but defensively, obviously there's issues, right? He needs to fix the issues. He needs to just, and look, I think some of it is just, he's a rookie. The game is moving really fast. The game will eventually slow down. He'll become a better defender. I'm really I'm not extremely worried about it. I think there's a lot of people that are just like, he'll never be a good defender. I'm not that worried about it. Yeah. Um, I think there's potential there. To me, I'm, I'm less confident. I'm less confident in the, in the coaching and the development that Phoenix has done over the years because they just haven't done a great job of it. Yeah. But um, the Kukosh guy is going to fix some of this. I'm happy. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, and then the other part of it, we talked about that Mavericks game, is, look, yeah, did they take Aiton over Luka Doncic? Yeah. Was that a mistake? Yeah, I think it oh, was you a think mistake. It was. Everybody... What? You think it was a mistake? Yeah, 100% it was a mistake. Doncic was the better player and will be the better player. But mm. So I was here's... I was super Doncic for the whole way, and I'm like, I know he's better right now, but he's not going to be better in five years. Maybe, maybe. That's but I, I look... I think Doncic is going to be better in five. I think Doncic is going to be better than Ben Simmons in five years. I think he's that good. Oh, he's amazing. But, I love him. Um, and so I think it's a mistake. But I think, but whether or not you think it's a mistake or not, really doesn't matter because the Phoenix took DeAndre Ayton. That's who they have. Yeah. And it doesn't. It doesn't so much matter who you took him over, as long as it pans out, right? Yeah, and with Booker true. and Ayton, there is a formula there. It makes sense. Like you could. With Booker and Aiton, you could build around those two guys, and you've got to figure out the other pieces. I think TJ Warren adding a three-point shot can be one of those other pieces where he's able to space the floor for those two guys. I think eventually getting Booker off the ball more and getting him with another guard yes. who can handle the ball is obviously the next step, and that would have been like Doncic would have been great for that. But um, at least with Aiton, at least with Aiton, there's a formula, there's a path, and I think Phoenix has lacked that for a long time. So I'm I've been fine with Aiton. I don't think he's been the best center in the group of, of rookies. I think that's obviously been Jaron Jackson uh, Jr. in Memphis, and he actually would have been kind of a better fit for Phoenix and Aiton based on just rookie. I'm not saying, I'm not projecting forward just like right now. Yeah, I'm um, okay. yeah. But uh, I, none of that matters. Like we, we when we talk about NBA draft stuff, we, we so often look at like who you took a player over, and I get it first. Like if it's Bowie over Jordan, like I get it. 
but <laughs> it, but at some, I hope, but hopefully that's not the case here, right? Yeah. And hopefully you just get a really good, useful player that you can build around. And it doesn't really matter who else went in that pit, draft as long as him and Booker fit well together. Yeah. So I'm I love the rebounding he does. I mean, the Suns have never have been good at rebounding in like the last 15 years, like at all. So I'm happy about that because they're just able to get more because he's just there and he can go up for it and he just makes the space. Um, I see so many good things from him. I mean, I see Embiid. I see like David Robinson type. Like we're like we got some skills there. He is overthinking. He's trying to he's trying to think it. He will get better defense. I can see it already. He's already getting more blocks last week or two um, and able to understand it. Once and his shots a little flat, but at the beginning of the year, first couple of weeks, he was not missing anything within ten feet, basically. And it he's was, got nice touch. Yes, like I think there's, it's only a matter of time. I think until he even expands his game to the three point line, I think he could yeah. eventually become a shooter from that distance. Like he's he's got a nice touch. Like the free throw when he's at the free throw line, it looks good. Yeah, yeah. I think the the coaches were saying that they'll they'll they're going to wait till he's so dominant inside, then they'll teach him the three point line. Let's like like focus on them inside for a year or two, and then that's then we'll fair. work on there. And I'm like, ah, that's fine. Um, he just has to not think, set better screens. He does this thing though when he when he uh closes out on somebody. Have you noticed it? He does this thing where he he runs at the guy, and then as soon as the guy shoots, he like looks at the basket. Like I haven't as, noticed that. As soon watch it anytime you watch agent close out, like literally anytime. Huh. He, he as soon as the ball like gets released, he turns his head. It's like. What are you trying to like, like curse the ball like Harry Potter style as it's going in? Maybe uh, it's crazy. So, um, but yeah, he does need to do better, a little bit better at picks and rolling faster. But I mean, did you, you saw the one last night where he spun on DeAndre Jordan and dunked it with one hand? Yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing about eight. Like, who can do that? So, his, his he's got like when we talk about footwork, like there's such a natural ability there that is so underrated. Um, not even with Aiton, I just think in the league in general from people who just don't really watch, like, don't watch basketball as closely as you and I. Mm-hmm. I think there's just such a natural ability and, and agility there um, yeah. that I can't help but think, like, even if he never learns to shoot from three-point range, he's going to be a useful offensive player. Yeah. And he's going to be able to rebound. He's going to be able to put points up. He's so He could be so dominant physically. Yeah. It's just, you know... It, it, I don't want to make any judgments because it's only been 25 games or something like that yeah. as a rookie, and there's obviously potential there. Um, and so, I, really, I just I don't think him or Booker are the questions. Like they're the most talented guys on the roster. It's just who can you get yeah. around those guys? Like what is the formula? What yeah. is the model here? Having right? and, having Warren and, and Bridges, I think will help. Um, I think I'm not sure if Josh Jackson is part of it. I think he's I think he's still an NBA player, but. He he's been really improving with his shot selection lately, which has been making him so much more valuable. Um, but when he stays aggressive but keeps not settling for jumpers, it's it's so much better. But he just he's kind of wild out there and not sure how much he's got. I kind of bummed that that didn't work out as well as it did because I was so happy when they drafted him. Um, instead of getting those like, are the four guys you mentioned, right? Like it's Booker, Warren, Bridges, Aiton, and then it's just finding the point guard. Yeah, so that's where. So the next thing is so. I don't think it's necessarily Dragic because he's older, but I think that would be an awesome stopgap. And obviously, you know my stance. I'd love to have him. The question is, uh, Dinwiddie, so Dinwiddie just got that deal from Brooklyn yesterday. Did they do it to trade him or did they do it to keep him? We'll see. Um, but then also, the other one is Kemba in the offseason and then get Zion Williamson. How good is that son's team? If, if you draft Zion and get Kemba? Yeah. 
How would you get Kemba as a free agent? Free agent, probably. Or trade him like Josh Jackson, a bunch of crap. You know, Sariza, whatever. It's a hell of an offer. I know, um, right? I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's just more, it's more of a theoretical thing. Like, I just like love thinking about that I, team. I'm very optimistic. I don't see, person. I just, I don't see Kemba going to Phoenix, like deciding to go to Phoenix. Deciding, okay. So you th- you'd have to be a trade at the trade deadline for it to work. And then you'd and have I to really blow more. I would offer anything other than Booker and Aiden for that. Yeah, yeah. So, so would you like, so is, is Jackson, Ariza, and a pick enough or not? Josh Jackson, Trevor, Ariza, and a pick. You'd probably have to. It probably have to be this pick. So you're not getting the. Zion. Oh, it'd, it'd have to be this pick then. Okay. So I, I wouldn't do that because if you want you you want Zion and then you want to not pick in the lottery again for the next decade. Um, My thing is, if you get Zion, it's almost like, well, you should have just taken Doncic. But uh, Zion could be better than Doncic. I think that there's. I don't think I'm breaking news by saying that. Yeah. People love Zion Williamson. So if you put him at the point guard so position or sort of like you've got Booker and Zion who could both run the offense, I think that would be like I think Zion fits anywhere. Like Phoenix, you think he's gonna run that. the offense? He's so Zion? Yeah, I don't maybe I didn't see him enough. I just feel like he's he's a power forward, right? He's a power forward, but I think you can use him like what the Warriors do with Draymond Green and you're able to then play Clay and Steph off the ball and if you're Phoenix in okay. your case you're able to play Booker off the ball yeah. like if you want to play fast which I think Phoenix would be they would like, like to play a little bit of a, of a, a like they like to play fast yeah. Zion makes a lot of sense because you don't need this traditional half court point guard I think you want to have that somewhere on your roster yeah. in case the game slows down and you can have that to fall back on but um, I don't think that you necessarily need that if you're going up and down and you just basically, if you give the ball to Booker, Zion, and like, I, and this is why I said TJ Warren, if he really wants to take yeah. the next step, being learn, learning how to just run a pick and roll really quick um, would be the next step for him, yeah. uh, as well as Michael Bridges. It's just, if you've got a bunch of those guys, you don't need a, a traditional point guard yeah. in that sense as much, but I do think Phoenix needs a traditional point guard and a veteran point guard. I don't think the ne- I don't think they need another young point guard. Yeah, I mean, they got DeAnthony Melton, who's something interesting. He's a good lockdown like, defender, like you were mentioning, Josh Richardson in that I sense. Like he's got some stuff there, um, although he's obviously not polished and he's a rookie. But I think that they, I mean, they have Jamal Crawford for now, but that's not going to last. But um, they do need a veteran person. So the question is: Is it going to be the Terry Rozier, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, like prove it to me, or is it going to be the Kemba Dragic? Already proved it. Now you're yeah. expensive. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would def. I know the Terry Rozier rumors have been out there. I would. I would stay away from him. That's what I've been saying. Yeah, it's I, like, I just, dude, you have not proven enough. You're like, okay, so I don't know if you remember me saying this um, on the podcast or on Twitter, or whatever. So it's kind of the same same type of thing. Um, I always said as soon as Isaiah Thomas was in Boston, I was like, he is never going to be more successful than he is right now. The Boston Celtics, when he was on their team, were the perfect roster for him. And I, I love, I mean, I, I remember him. He was so good. But he was never going to get better than that. And it's like Terry Rozier was in the perfect spot to do what he needs to do. And yeah. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to make it when he's somewhere else. I just, I don't know what he does well. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's some people do. So that, that I think there was this one article last year where it's, then now the best players are, have no weaknesses as opposed to one strength. And it's like, you have to do, you have to be so good. You have to be above average at everything, or you have to be amazing at one thing. And I think for point guard, you specific, I think it's almost the latter. Like you've got to be amazing at one thing to really make it as a point guard. Yeah. These guys, these guards who are just like, I mean, look, you've got the Goran Dragic's who aren't amazing at anything, even though he was amazing. He was an amazing, amazing finisher. That was, was a his playmaker skill. too. You need to be 
and a playmaker. Um, you need one or two elite skills. I mean, when you're a point guard, you've got to be an elite playmaker, period, end of story. If you're not, then you're not a starting point guard anymore. There's just too many good ones. Yeah. Um, but if I'm Phoenix, I think you've got to see what you've got with Melton. Um, you got to win, though. you got to win. But you've, but or even Elliot Kobo, like you've got to see what you got with those guys. Yeah, they recently signed Jawan Evans, right? Yeah, he's been playing. He's he's so small, but he's fast and he can do it. Yeah, so see what see what you got with those guys. But go get a placeholder, more so just to get the other guys in their lanes. Yeah, like just to mm-hmm. it's just to get Devin Booker to take his next step of his development. Which is what? What do you think guy. it is? Like, even if it's not Dragic level, like go find like Darren Collison will be out there. Yeah. like Darren Collison makes sense to me as just a guy. Like DJ Augustine, these kind of guys who could just just give you competent point guard play. They're not going to wow you. They're not the future of the Suns by any means. But they're just going to get other guys in their lanes so that they could develop appropriately. What do you think about this? What if Anthony Davis leaves the Pelicans and you get Drew Holiday? If so, the Pelicans basically so say they blow Davis it up. doesn't sign this extension and they say we're going to trade him and then they just tear the whole thing down. Yeah, because if he goes, like they have to tear it down, right? <laughs> so Drew Holiday, I like. I don't like Drew Holiday as a pure point guard. But next to Booker, um, but next next to Booker, now you're talking about like a two two combo guards basically yeah. who can handle the ball at any given time. I think it would work. It's way better defensively. Obviously, cool. you're getting a huge upgrade there. Yeah, um, Holiday could guard. Holiday could guard the better perim- the better backcourt player yeah. on and on any given night. And Bridges can do um, the other guy. <laughs> yeah, and so. I, I look. I like Drew Holiday anywhere. I'm a big fan of Drew's yeah. game. I just he's not. He's also not that pure point guard that I think Phoenix yeah. needs. Oh, they think he needs more. Was he got like three years left on his deal? Who Drew? Yeah, yeah, I think so. He's, like he's under contract for a while. Yeah, that would be interesting. So, what do you think about? Let's talk more about Booker really fifth year, and then we'll get back to some Heat stuff. Um, uh, what do you think? So, like. I'm always like so pro Booker. I just think he has all the intangibles that you need, and he has the shooting touch. He has the play playmaking. I mean, he's in my mind, he's a better playmaker. Like I've always talked on different podcasts about him versus Clay, and then him versus Harden, and what they do better and stuff like that. I mean, Har- Booker's a better defender than Harden, a better playmaker than Clay, but obviously they're both better players than him right now. But so, what do you think about him, and what do you think his next development step is right now? I mean, I'm a big Devin Booker fan. Um... Like when he was at Kentucky, barely being used, I thought like this guy's got so much more game. Yeah. Um, but I get it. Like he was playing with a loaded team. Like all of them had so much more game. Except for but, the, the the brothers, the brothers, the twins that now barely play in the NBA. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the Harrison guys. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> look, I think Devin Booker. To me, this this these first few years are similar to what Giannis had to do. Yeah. His first few years when it was a really raw roster and he ended up just playing point guard out of default so much for that team. And he's not the he's not the point guard now for Milwaukee, but when you put the ball in his hands, he could do point guard things. And so I think that was tremendously helpful for his development, but at some point you just got to let him do what he does best and just sort of let that be like an ancillary ability that he can just sort of call on every once in a while. I think mm-hmm. that's what Booker is doing. I think just having the, the Suns leaning on him to basically be, you know, the first point of contact for their offense, um, I think will be tremendously beneficial for him for his development going forward. I just think that they need to take the next step for him because I, I just he's plateaued this year. Not not that he's not good. It's just like I don't I haven't seen anything new from him this year. Like he's still a good playmaker. Like that's not news to me. Seven assists a game. 
yeah, seven assists a game is like really good. Like that's just like that didn't surprise me. I'm like, yeah, yeah. that makes sense for as much as he's got the ball. Like, yeah. what's next for him? And uh, I think he could be. Look, I think Devin Booker could be a top twenty player in the NBA. I don't think yeah. there's any question about that. But um, it's <laughs> you, you've got like the roster around him now needs to take the next step for him to take the next step. I yeah. just think he's too much in that sort of like in that first. Like, I just he needs to take he he needs a better group around him. So that he could sort of rise with the ships. Yeah, because I think it's he can't afford. Okay, in one sense, he's bad at defense, right? Kind of. Yeah. And part of it's because he has to do so much work to make the game, then even have a chance to win at any game. Mm-hmm. You know how much energy he has to output? And he's getting double, triple teamed almost every possession <laughs> and still putting up humongous numbers. I mean, he's going to average 25 and 5 or what, 25 and 7, whatever, better than most people. And he's only 20, I mean, he just turned 22, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but then, like, like, but then he needs to have a better roster around him, so he doesn't have to do so much effort. Like, if they get Kemba, then he does not have to do so much offensive. He can work on defense. He can get better. And it would it. help his three point shooting too. Yeah. I mean, he's only shooting thirty one percent. That's because they're all contested. Yeah, he's got to create all of his own shots. Like, if you put him off the ball a little bit more, I think you would obviously see his three point percentage go up, and it wouldn't take you know nineteen shots to get twenty four points. So yeah, he could be a more efficient offensive player but he just can't he can't afford to be a more efficient offensive he, he player right now because there's not a lot of guys outside him and tj warren who create their own shots yeah yeah crawford can now but he it's, it's usually yeah. a shot for him and he's or he's just trying to teach which he is doing such a good job i love it um but yeah so there's so much there to do which is why the point guard is so necessary because people are saying hey point book is what you need to do it's like uh yeah he's the only one you can still do it <laughs> he's the only right. one you can still get everybody else involved too um, yeah, hopefully we can see. I'm watching actually uh, Daniels do a little bit more defense, a little more uh, playmaking for himself instead of just spotting it from three. And uh, Bridges also doing some pull-ups instead of just shooting when he gets it. So I'm, I'm without Booker, though, they're having to rely on themselves. And they're, I mean, that game last night, they beat the Mavericks without Booker, which is good. The game I was at, they beat the Clippers, or they, they lost the Clippers in overtime without Crawford, Booker, and Warren got ejected in the first quarter. It's like, there's something there. They're playing better defense. I mean, the commentators last night were saying it. The Suns are playing better defense. They're rebounding better. They're taking care of the ball better. And they're playing better defense, which is good to see because it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, look, Igor Kokoskov, we haven't really talked about him at all yet. I think he's a tremendous hire. I think he's going to be a good coach. I think that any impatience that there is with him, like, you just got to give him a break. Like, I think there's the right things are in place right now. It's just, I don't know. I, I hate to keep coming back to this. It's just get a point guard who can defend a little bit, doesn't have to be a superstar player, but just sort of gets everybody to where mm-hmm. they need to go. And I think you could see this team get a lot better. But um, I just, unfortunately, yeah. that guy isn't really in the draft. This is sort of a, a not a great draft for point guards. Yeah. It's a great draft for another player. But you also you can go you don't want to draft another point suit. guard. You don't want to draft another person. I mean, unless it's exactly. Zion, you don't want another point uh, project. Do you think that they if, if they're if they don't have the first pick, right? Because the lottery odds have smoothed out this year. Yeah. So let's three. say they end up with the worst record, they still they're not gonna have the they're not gonna have the same sort of odds that they would have yeah. had last year. Not necessarily, yeah. Um so Well they've gone down like every single year for the last decade right. too. It's ridiculous. So would they like what? What kind of player could like? Let's say Zion's off the board with number one. Like, do they want R.J. Barrett? Do they want a Cam Reddish? Like, do they want that sort of player? Like, just to add to this group because I could see that player fitting in. 
Like, R.J. Barrett would be a good fit, too, if you wanted to talk. Like, he's got some playmaking ability, too. He's not a pure point guard, but you could play him and Devin Booker in that backcourt together, have a supersized backcourt where both guys can sort of just be, you know, 1A and 1B as far as facilitating the offense. That would make sense to me. But um, if they really want to get a pure point guard, do you start – do you trade that pick? I mean, that would be that's kind of crazy to think about because no, it's such I think a you young trade team it because you don't want you don't want so much young. You don't want to just keep getting younger people every time. Would. I think they might, depending on what's available. If like if that gets them Kemba, then maybe. If um because like if you, <laughs> point guard would help tremendously. It just it's crazy. Like they have the guys that are trying that they have now, but if you got like a a person who could legitimately do the job that you know is necessary they might do it because they've been drafting forever and it doesn't necessarily work i mean bender and so like bender chris and josh jackson were two straight years all three of them like a number four and eight four four and eight so so who cares if you draft you just need players that can play let's not try to like it's almost it's not shortcutting it just go trade the pick and get older because you need to get older the Sun, right. the Suns do. They can't, like, you cannot develop Booker, Aiton. I mean, Warren's are old enough. I guess he's like 25, 24. He's like their oldest player, other than like the two veterans. <laughs> it's crazy. John Wall is not something you guys are interested in? So, I this is my stance on the John Wall thing. His, the fact that his, so like, I'd be okay if we, okay, if it happens, if somehow Starver goes crazy and, which is not a reach and does that, I will not hate it. Because he's really good. The contract is crazy, and his leadership is non-existent. He is, he's plateaued for a couple of years now. Yeah. So I'm not. I would not hate it. It would make the Suns a lot better. They might. They might win 40 games next year if they get him, but maybe more. But it's not. It's putting John Wall on your team does not make you a contender. This group, like, by the time that Aiton and Booker are ready, John Wall is not good enough. Yeah, that's why I almost think like if it's not Kemba Walker, I just I almost think that it's veteran stopgap guy for oh, a couple of years. Yep, and that's, then that's it. And that's why I feel like Dragic might be the perfect stopgap guy. He has a familiarity with the Suns, although like nobody's here that was here when he was here. I mean, the Suns have like I think it's nine new players this year. Like that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like okay, that's so guess can you guess who the oldest uh, um, player is on the Suns? That was the oldest tenured player. Been on the team the longest. Yeah. Um, it's not Booker, is it? It's Warren. It and, is then, and then Booker, Warren, and that's right. it. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else is wow. new. <laughs> TJ Warren's the vet at 25. Yeah, I think so, 24, 25. And then other than Ariza and Crawford, I think everybody else is under that age, basically. Maybe, I mean, Daniels or whatever, but... Rashawn Holmes, but still, it's like, yeah, they're young, and they're new, and they have a first-year head coach. So I will say that the coach is tremendously good. The It felt so stagnated for the last five years, basically, with all the people they tried to bring in. I even remember that, like I say on the podcast sometimes, the one couple weeks where Archie Goodman was the only point guard they had, and he's not even a point guard. Like, they don't they don't get stagnated offensively anymore, which was such a bummer. Even, I mean, they didn't even do it. You saw last week, last night with no Booker, like they still didn't get stagnated, which is, should have happened. But Kokoshkov has a good system in place and, and he's, he's teaching some good stuff. So I'm excited about that. 
What, so you're saying that, the, let's go back to the heat for a little bit here, because I don't want to just do sun stuff the whole time. Um, what do you think they need to do in terms of, we're talking sun's future, what do you think the heat need to do to make the next step? So they, they had a really good run for a long time there, and now they're reaping what they had, which is trying to make sure that you can win, right? And now they have some young players. What do you think they need to do next? Well, they don't have any cap space. Nope. Um, <laughs> they have none. <laughs> They have zero cap space. They've got some big contracts that they need to get rid of. Um, Let me guess who those are. Let me guess who the Waiters, Olenek. Who else? Olenek at his money is fine. He's a useful player at that money. He's been one of their best players this season. Um, to me, the big contract, obviously, is Hassan Whiteside. Oh, yeah. You're not trading him. him. Nobody's, there's, no, there's no team that's trading for him. Yeah. Um, guy, my goodness. I think we Tyler talked Johnson, about it before. Yeah. He's not great. Who was oh Tyler Johnson? Yeah, he did. He made a three at the end of the game, I think, the Suns game. But man, yeah, he's not as good as I was. Like, well, he wasn't in a reach for, for the money when he got signed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, was like, I mean, everybody rolled their eyes at that one. Like, um, okay. And the James Johnson and Deion Waiters contracts are not great either. So for me, if I'm Miami, you have not, you don't have a lot of assets. You don't have any cap space. Well, you need to try to fi- find a way to create one or the other, if not both. Um, easier said than done, but they do have a couple of assets. They've got Wayne Ellington's expiring contract. He's a useful player. Let's face it, Miami's not going anywhere this year. Yeah. There are teams that could really use Wayne Ellington, the Lakers, yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, I think you trade him for a second-round pick, whatever you can get for him. You just trade him. Just He's, he's not helping you this year. Um, trade him for a pick. Use that pick as sweetener to maybe get off of one of these other contracts. Mm. I think Rodney Magruder, who has been starting for them and Tell me should also him. be in the conversation for most improved player. What's he's he like? been really good this year, but they can't afford to keep him. Oh, really? They can't. Like they've got his early bird rights, but they can't afford to keep him. Like this team is already in the luxury tax. And oh my gosh, that team is in the luxury tax. Pay, <laughs> uh, he's not going to pay the luxury tax for a forty-win team. Yeah. And so I think you trade Rodney Magruder. For another draft pick, a future pick, um, for the right team, I think that they would be willing to give up maybe a late first or a second for him. I think he's he can provide that sort of three and D value. Those guys have a lot of value in today's game. Suns might um, want him. I don't know. <laughs> Suns might want him. They could um, use that kind of stuff. He could play point guard for him. Um, I think that the, you know you start making those moves, acquire some sweeteners, use those sweeteners to get off. Um, another contract. I think James Johnson would have value to the right team as a as sort yeah. of a wing defender, kind of small ball center kind of guy. Like yep. I think his versatility is sort of like you know poor man's PJ Tucker type of situation. And yeah. I think the, a contending team could find that useful. Um, and then Goran Dragic is the other asset there. I think you've got to move on from Goran Dragic because uh, he's on the decline of his career. I think Miami is very much forward looking at this point. I think that they made that clear when they didn't trade Josh Richardson for Jimmy Butler, that they're building yeah. around the young guys. And so you've got to trade Dragic now while his value is still relatively high and not let his value decrease any more than it already has. And so I think those four guys, that's the four assets that Miami has. You move them, try to get something back in return, whatever you can get back in return, you attach that to a Tyler Johnson or something like that. Uh, to possibly get off of that contract, and now you're creating some cap space, and you could sort of start to rebuild this thing around Richardson, Winslow, and Bam. Do you think you do that by the 2019 offseason, or like like when everybody's available, or do you try out? Is it going to take longer than that? Do you think? I think you've got to try to do it by the trade deadline. 
Oh wow! Okay, so you're, you're I like I think you've got. I think December fifteenth. Go. I don't know when we're. I don't know when you're going to post this podcast, but tomorrow <laughs> it's going to be. It's, today's fourteenth. Tomorrow's the fifteenth. Let's do it. So today, uh, free agents who signed over the summer, most of them are eligible to be traded. It's the unofficial kickoff to trade season in the NBA. The trade deadline is in February. I think between now and then, you've got to move as many of those guys as you can. Now, I don't know. If them, I don't know that Miami will do that. Right? They're very. They're very famously anti-tanking. They want to win. They want to try to get to the playoffs, even if they just, even if they're first round and out. That's what they want to do. They pride themselves in that. I think that's stupid. Yeah. They shouldn't do that, and that they should trade the assets and move and just move on. And then look, if you, the sooner you move these guys, the worse you're going to be. The better your pick probably will end up. And if Miami, we talked about Zion Williamson for Phoenix. I don't think they're going to be that bad. But with the new smoothed out lottery odds, maybe you do end up in the top three of the lottery or of the draft with yeah. these new lottery odds and you're able to take one of these Duke kids and you add that person uh, to your, yeah. your young four and all of a sudden things look a little bit more promising. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Very good, very good. Interesting. Man, the NBA is so great. I love it. Um, any other final thoughts before we get out of here? Um, Not really, no. I mean, I hope the team stays in Phoenix. I, really, I don't want to get into that giant conversation, but I think it's mm. worth... Uh, bringing up that I just you know I don't yeah. I don't think that that team needs to move I think Robert Sarver is a piece of bleep but you know <laughs> teams sucks. with bad owners they struggle but I do think that you know when you have a young star I'm not saying he's LeBron but we've seen like LeBron get over a, a bad owner yep. and win championships um, or championship singular yeah. <laughs> I think if the talent is there that Phoenix I think. I don't know what the vibe for Phoenix Suns fans is. I'm not very connected to Phoenix Suns Twitter or whatever. Uh, but I could see why it might be kind of depressed with all the Sarver stuff going on. Just know that good players get over that stuff. Mm-hmm. And Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are good players. TJ Warren's a good player. And they have the means to get more good players. And I think that as long as the team is there and that the basketball operations side of things is working, and I think Igor Kokoskov is going to be a good coach for them. I, I it's not the end of the world, and I think that the Suns roster and the Suns team could eventually be pretty promising. Absolutely, yeah. Some people get kind of uh, depressed because they get too too invested in it, and it's like I would be pretty annoyed and uh, devastated, I guess, if the Suns did leave. Which, it, from all the reports, it doesn't seem like they're going to anyway. I think people walk some stuff back there, mm-hmm. some reporters. But um, uh, so it's, I mean, yeah. But uh, yeah, the Suns—they got some good things to go. I mean. I'm just, it just feels worse than it does because right when I started covering it was right after Nash and everybody left. It was so great. <laughs> just great timing there on my yeah, part. Um, because they were, I mean, they were good during for like seven straight years. <laughs> they were like one of the best teams in the league for seven straight years before that. So, um, uh, what, what, why don't you tell us where you, what you're doing it for your, all your writing and stuff and your podcast in there, Wes? Um, all my writing, uh, could, I just I write at a variety of places. You can find it all on Twitter at WC Goldberg, um, and then check out the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a listener of podcasts. <laughs> we need more people. Just you know what? If it's this podcast, if it's lo- anything on the Locked On Podcast Network, I host Locked On Heat, a daily Miami Heat podcast. But you're probably not interested in that um, unless you're a Heat fan. But look, just this holiday season. Just tell somebody and show somebody how to listen to podcasts. Maybe yes. it's this one. Maybe it's my podcast. 
maybe it's one of these NPR podcasts. I don't care what it is. <laughs> just is the more people that listen to podcasts, the better people like Eric and and I will be will be. Yes. We just want the podcast platform to grow as a medium. Stop listening to radio, which gives you like five minutes of content and, and not good content. My goodness. What's like, that? And not not the greatest content every time because they're not trying to yeah. they're not trying to relax and investigate. It's a hot take stuff. I, I can't like my Twitter just... is so bad because I cannot do hot takes. I just can't do it. It's like that's not how nuance works or anything. It drives me crazy. And it's podcasting is the best. So just this holiday season, all my final ask here: show a friend or loved one how to use the podcast app on their phone, how to listen to a podcast, and recommend a couple of ones if it's this one. Doesn't matter. Just listen. Get people listening to podcasts. That's my last. Definitely do it. Definitely check out Wes. I've been friend uh, Twitter there forever. I mean, five tons of years here. Um, Been great. Uh, Thank you so much, Wes. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff too. At Eric underscore Sar E R I C underscore S A A R for Twitter. I've been doing stuff forever. Um, You listen to this podcast. uh, Writing at SolarInsights.net. Podcast is there as well. iTunes, Spotify, etc. Please do a review and a rating. It is it's impossible to get people to do that, but please, it's so good. I have two of them, but they're from so long ago that it's not helping. So do that, um, as well as uh, if you're in Phoenix, um, EliteHoopDevelopment.com has uh, basketball training. Uh, I've got a client. It's fun, super fun. You, I can make you better at basketball. And then also, if you need marketing, I have uh, SlingshotMediaConsulting.com as well. Thank you so much. Thanks, Wes. Uh, everybody have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>